With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation. You're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast, the uh, the unfortunately the season, basically season recap uh, Pickaxe Podcast. My name is Zach Mikosh. I am with DenverStiffs.com, as is the two other co-hosts today. Very first, from all the way from Colorado Springs, Mr. Gordon Gross. I am here. Yep. Made it back on the phone again. It's amazing. I know, Gordon, you're like, you're, I think you, you, well, you and our other guest, Mr. Daniel Lewis, uh, I think you guys are the, uh, probably the two most common, not even, like I said, not even guests, your co-hosts nowadays. Dan, what's going on, man? Happy Easter weekend, everyone. There you go, that's right, that is right, we are, so we are recording on Friday, um, and it is, it is like the post-mortem, the post-mortem for the, for the Denver Nuggets, the season is over, they of course missed the postseason. Uh, kind of in the in the format that we always do though. First, I want to we we didn't get a chance to go down over these last these last few games of the stretch. We haven't got a chance to talk about them, so I want to go through them quickly because we got a long a pretty or a lot to get through today on the show. We want to go through all the all the players and stuff. So um, we're we'll dive right on in. Uh, the last time we talked, it was right before the Nuggets had played the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was uh, that was the um, the first time that they played them actually. Uh, here in the last three, or here in the last, two of the last three. So it was the first time it was at home. Um, if you guys will remember, Russell Westbrook, he gets the he ends up getting the triple-double record, uh, topping Oscar Robertson with 42. Dan, I want your opinion first, because there, there was a lot of chatter about this, um, about how the crowd cheered for it uh, and, and recognized the accomplishment. Do you think that was right? I think that the crowd was totally justified in cheering for Russell Westbrook, um, you know that that's something that hasn't been done in forty plus years. In the last time by right. Oscar Robertson, and you know those fans were there to witness history, and I think that they were able to to recognize how amazing and historical that achievement was. And I have no problem with the fans cheering. You know what? If anything, so I was there. Um, I was actually there at the game, and and it was 
I, th- I think it might have been the most electric the crowd or in the building has really ever been all season because it took him a, it took him a few tries. There was like three or four possessions um, before he actually ended up getting the tenth assist. But every possession, every time he touched the ball, the whole crowd was on the on their feet. I I'm not gonna lie, I was on my feet. I mean, it was an exciting thing to watch. Gordon, what did you think about the crowd's reaction? Um, I thought it was perfectly justified. I don't see any reason why if you see an amazing sporting um. Uh, outcome, you shouldn't cheer for it. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I watched Michael Jordan in Seattle get cheered in Seattle while they were huge rivals. Like, it, they, I watched it happen in New York. You know, I wasn't in New York at the time, but New Yorkers would cheer for Jordan. It's not... If you see greatness on the court, then you get to appreciate it. I mean, you're there to see something amazing and if the nuggets aren't going to provide it then the person who does provide it gets cheered i don't see why that's a problem yeah absolutely you know and i I totally agree with both of you guys and my whole thought on it was the same thing it's like this is i mean this is historic this is this is something that uh that who knows how long i mean who knows that he might he might break it again next year but uh you know or it could be something it could go another 50 years before we ever see somebody break this record it's it's truly a historic moment and i think it's okay to cheer for that i don't think it, it in any way you know, violate someone's fandom or makes them any less of a fan. I, you know, I, I think it's just a recognition of, hey, that's a really, really cool moment that just happened. Um, and you know what's the other thing is, is the fans, the fans weren't cheering Westbrook when he hits the three to win the game. Okay, like it wasn't like they all became Thunder fans for the rest of the game. Right, I mean, exactly. Still Nuggets fans. So, um, the the still talking kind of about the end there. Uh, it was it was really controversial. It's another game. Honestly, there's a lot of things you can point to. Okay, the Nuggets should have won this game. They were up, I think, by like maybe like seven points with under a minute to play. Uh, and Nikola Jokic gets called for a flagrant foul um, on Russell Westbrook. And it, just it, ridiculous. It, yeah, exactly. Right. It was. I mean, the league even comes out later and says, "No, actually, that wasn't. A, it was just a common foul." Um, and then Jokic, to compound it, you know, he gets the technical foul right after. Uh, Dan, I'll ask you first. Uh, I mean, h- how do you how do you live with it? How do you live with knowing that that pivotal moment of the game turns out was was a bad call? I mean, it's it's really disappointing that that that's one of the things that contributed to the Nuggets season ending. But you know, if my thought was when that happened was I can't believe that this is the first time in the game that the referees are having to review whether or not it's a flagrant foul and Westbrook has like 45 points. <laughs> like, right. you know, Westbrook drives to the rim so many times. If my, my attitude kind of was that if the Nuggets felt like, man, I can't believe that this, this call determined the game. Like they, maybe they should have been giving some more physical fouls earlier in the game or earlier in the fourth quarter to try to like, right you know, maybe get some kind of an edge or just make him earn his points a little bit more. Like, you know, if if you are going to foul someone hard, like, foul them so that they don't make the shot. I don't know. That's something that I always learned growing up playing basketball is that if you're going to foul someone, foul them so that they don't make the shot. Um, And Jokic, uh, Jokic is one of those guys who's really guilty of uh of doing that of not doing the hard foul of kind of doing that soft yeah. foul it's um, like it's always it's always slaps giving for him you know it's <laughs> just yeah he's not a hitter he's a slapper 
Gordon, what, what were your thoughts, man, on on the on the whole Jokic call? Well, I mean, the call was a bunch of BS, but at the same time, it's been that way all year for us, so I don't really see why that's any different. Um, the Nuggets don't have the ref respect. They just don't have it. They're young kids. Um, they haven't had it. They rarely had it even when they were a winning team. You know, um, I mean, I can remember calls in 50-win seasons where you're like, really? That's going against us at home? Are you kidding me? Right. So it, uh, there's no there's no expectation on my part that the referees are going to actually um, help Denver out with foul calls. But I agree with Dan. If you don't like you know Russell Westbrook scoring on you, then stop him from scoring. It can't be a four point play if he doesn't score the first basket. So don't let him score the basket. It's very true. I mean, it's easy, easier said than done, right? It's Russell Westbrook, one of the one of the premier scores in the NBA. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to take because the, you know, it, there was a whole there's a whole bunch of games. Well, not a whole bunch. A handful of games. Um, certain certain calls didn't go the way of the Nuggets, and that they ended up costing it for them. Um, and being so close to the Blazers in the playoffs, it, it was disappointing. But you know what yeah. you do? You move on. So and and that's exactly what they did. I mean, at that point, they're they're eliminated. So they end up they go to Dallas next, and they they play. They, they play the youth, right? We get to see Malik Beasley, um, major minutes. Gordon, I want to get your minute, uh, your thought first on um, Malik Beasley um, and the youth in general. Too too little, too late. Was it uh, was it the right move to to hold off? I guess on the, on playing some of these guys until until they were eliminated. Well, I mean, I understand the chase, um, especially when Nurkic went down with the injury. Um, I get why they waited. You know, a couple of a couple of games worth of starts isn't going to make or break anybody's career. Um, I would have liked to see him gone early, just because I like this draft and I want to move up, and I like seeing the kids play. But the kids could have won too, as you can see by the way they finished the season. Um, but I'm a big I'm a big Malik Beasley fan. Like that, I I love his game. I love his work ethic. So I'm a big fan of all of our youth, really. Like there's nobody that we have on the team, even Moutier, that I have a problem with. Uh, where they're at at this exact moment, you know, yeah, they're no, doing I, everything I could possibly hope for a uh, for a young nineteen, twenty, twenty one year old to do. Yeah, no, I I, I one hundred percent agree. Dan, what do you think? So I, I'm going to just list some of the standings and, and you know to kind of give some perspective on if the Nuggets, how early the Nuggets would have had to start playing the young guys if they'd wanted to move up in the lottery. Because um, okay. the Nuggets finished thirteenth in the league with forty wins and forty two losses. The next worst team was the Detroit Pistons, who had 37 wins and 45 losses. Over their last 10 games, the Pistons went 3-7, and seven, and the Nuggets went 5-5. Five and five. So if the Nuggets had wanted to catch the Pistons, they would have had to go, like, 1-9 and nine, you know, over their yeah. last 10 games <laughs> to get those three right. wins back while the Pistons were just blowing games as well. Then you have Charlotte, 36-46. You know, that's, that's four more losses, the Nuggets, and they they're, the Hornets went four and six over the last ten games. So, like, the Nuggets yeah. had to start playing their young guys, like, 15 games ago, you know, to start, like, trying to tank and lose all these games. And then they may have finished with, like, 34, 35 wins, and that would have been good enough for the 10 or 11 spot, so they would have moved up three picks. So, I mean... I, I do think that it would have been nice to have 
given the younger players, especially guys like Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, some more minutes down the stretch. But I, I do think that with the way that things went, where they were playing their veterans and trying to close out games, that it can be really valuable to the team if they go to the film room and they say, okay, here's what we did in the last five minutes of the game, and here's the kind of mistakes that we made, and here's what we need to do to improve going forward. Because that's how they can learn how to win those games. Because they were in a lot of really competitive games, it just, you know, they weren't able to pull through on some of them. So I think it can be beneficial to the team if they, you know, that they didn't play the young guys because they can go back and say, even though it wasn't, you know, Wancho, even though this wasn't you playing, you know, this was Gallo, you know, here's how Gallo closed out on someone and forced him to drive and pass. You know, you can do something very similar, like let's work on that in practice today. So I think, I think it can be good for the team that you know, that the young guys didn't play as much down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, I, but I, I, would, I go good. ahead. Well, I'm just saying, like, the uh, what would have happened if Jameer Nelson hadn't ripped his calf up? Like, w- would Malik Beasley have gotten in the last two games? Would he have been able to show that I get to play and I get to do, you know, I can actually play in the NBA? My concern yeah. with, with it was always that, if you keep playing all of the vets the entire way, you're never going to see what Wancho can do. And he'll never have the chance to go two for ten from three and have that burn in his mind that I can't believe I was doing that and um, have that to think about. I, I wanted those kids to have the experience. And they got in at the end. Like, I'm glad the last couple of games there were enough injuries and we finally decided to tank when we were actually – well, not tank. We, we finally agreed that we were out of the playoffs and let the kids play. Um, but I would have liked a couple of more games of that. But in the end, like I'm not, I'm not upset about it. Everybody got in who should have gotten in by the end. Yeah, and you know, well, it it, it does work out. You're right because I think because Malik Beasley has two really nice games, and, I, and that I think it's a good, a real good boost of confidence. I think for him going into the off season now, which is uh, it gives you some more flexibility uh, as far as as far as what you want to do as far as moves in the off season, which. Um, which will be something. Obviously, is a big, a big discussion for the Nuggets to have. I don't know. I think. I think. So the big, the big question really. I think when people talk about the youth and and whether or not it was um, whether they should have used more of it or not, it really comes down to one position battle, which is Jamal Murray or Jameer Nelson. Which guy should be playing starting point guard, right? Because that's um, Jamal Murray is the guy that everybody looks at right now is that untapped potential of that you know, guy who can possibly become uh, the, the next star, the star to put next to Nikola Jokic. And, and so the argument is, is hey, um, why, why, should we, uh, why should we play Jameer if we're not going to make the playoffs? Uh, well, we could have been playing Jamal Murray and he could have been getting that experience. But you know what? The, the counter-argument, the, the 100% counter-argument to it is Emmanuel Moutier. He played, he was a 19-year-old point guard who played every single game practically for the Nuggets last season as a rookie, and it didn't really help him at all. So there's no, yeah, so there's no proof that like, oh, let's shove this guy in and give him a ton of minutes and make him a starter. There's no proof that that's the best way to develop a player. Well, Um, and Gary Harris proved plenty of times that uh, uh, getting 600 garbage minutes in his first year didn't exactly stunt him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, So, um... That was good. Yeah, that, I mean, exactly. It's a good little. Also, go on I mean, it, forever. in hindsight, we found out that Jamal Murray had been playing the entire season with a sports hernia, 
Yeah, so which, maybe which it makes, wasn't uh, a good thing to be giving him extended minutes. Like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, that's an, a great point. If um, only we had somebody like Malik Beasley on the bench who could also play well, shooting so guard. Oh, wait. <laughs> there it is. Next topic. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next topic here on the uh, the Pickaxe podcast would actually be the last game of the season. i got to tell you guys. So I'm going to uh, – full disclosure, I – um. I did not get to watch the last game of the season. I, uh, I happened to be in Laramie, Wyoming um, for, for work, for what I do, outside the Denver Stiffs. Um, and I was there I was there for overnight, and they said they had, they said they had altitude, and, and I switched it on to altitude, and um, it says, you know, the little guide thing comes up, and it says Nuggets, Nuggets uh, Thunder, and I'm like, all right, and then it, it flashes on, and I'm getting, uh, I get DU Women's Lacrosse, Versus Virginia, and I, so I, I, I'm like, well, this, there's got to be something that's wrong with this. I, I go down, I try to go, I go down on the front desk. Um, and you guys got to understand. So I've, I've been driving for like, I've been driving for for a couple hours, uh, and I was not, I was not in a good mood. Uh, <laughs> because I couldn't get the Nuggets game. And so I go down to the desk, and I'm, I, I'm asking the front desk girl about it, and like she, she has absolutely no clue who the Denver Nuggets are. Or what I am talking about, and I end up, I, I, so I like berate this girl. I felt, I felt bad about it for like, you know, 30 seconds, and I finally realized this, this is who I am. I am this crazy Nuggets fan from Colorado in Laramie, Wyoming, angry at the, at the front desk girl because I can't watch one final meaningless game uh, of the entire. entire Well, that's how you know you've arrived, right? That's how you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm probably never welcome at that hotel again. So I'm gonna. But so the point is, I guess I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna leave it up to you guys, uh, Gordon. I guess so I'll, I'll let you roll with it and your thoughts on the on the, the final game of the season. The final game, huh? Um, I mean, I love seeing the kids play. Um, I I liked that they got into the atmosphere that Oklahoma City had um, at the through the first half with Russell Westbrook playing. You know, that that made me happy. Um, I like the fact that they kept pushing against Oklahoma City when those guys were going on their run. They pulled other guys in the second half. They they played bench against bench, basically. And uh, I like watching the young kids learn how to play together. Even, even though Wancho couldn't hit a damn thing because he had no legs at all. He just – he didn't have them. He was all – it was all arm and it was all bad arm as well. So – I still like seeing that stuff because those are the things you learn from. What do I need to do on a back-to-back? How do I get my body to get enough rest? How do I make sure that I can keep my legs? Right. <clears throat> I was impressed that Mike Beasley did. I mean, he played as many minutes as anybody the previous night, too. That's so, true. you know, he was out there still shooting away. and, and He doing has, he like, do. only played, you know, a max of, like, 20 games this year. So. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Back to back is back to back. You think if anybody's not in game shape, it should be Beasley. That's, that's a good. That's a good counterpoint. Yeah, and Be- what do you think? Beasley played 165 minutes this year, so <laughs> doesn't really have that excuse. But well, do do give him some credit. I mean, he did play. He did play quite a few minutes down in the D league. He did. As well. He did. Um, I I thought it was a really interesting game, just in the fact that. It didn't really matter for either team. You know, the Thunder had already clinched the their seed in the playoffs. The Nuggets had already clinched their seed in the lottery. Uh, the Nuggets only had seven players available. The Thunder... I, how many people? The Thunder played... 
This is great podcasting, Holstein. <laughs> 13 players. The Thunder played 13 players, and there were times in the second half where they were just, the Thunder were just emptying their bench. They put in, like, Norris Cole and Nick Collison, and I was just like, man, I feel so bad for the Nuggets because they're just out there slogging through this quarter, you know, against these guys that are fresh right. and, you know, haven't played hardly at all all season. But, like, I got to give Jamal Murray and, you know, Nikola Jokic a ton of credit because those guys combined yeah, for 56 points and, like, they, they just didn't give up down the end. And Murray hit some big shots, went four or five from three. Jokic got 14 free throw attempts and, like, they won by six points and they won the fourth quarter and the third quarter. Well, and I want to so know, I don't, I want to know like, what was, was said really by full effort from them and i think you know even though it's just like a meaningless 82nd game of the season i think it just showed us that like especially with murray and beasley and wancho and nicole Jokic, because he's a young guy too like but these guys like they you know given the right situation that they're they have the ability to fight through things right right gordon what were you gonna say well i want to know what got into Jokic because he didn't do jack in the first quarter he was very, very offensively quiet. He passed it, and he got a couple of rebounds, but he, he scored, I think, three points in the first. And then, I don't know who said what to him on the sideline, but dude goes out and just backs down, um, who was it, Taj? And, uh, you know, just took foul after foul after foul, went to the free throw line, packed in a bunch of rebounds, you know, stuffed a bunch of blocks. He, he was feeling it the last three quarters. Nice, nice. So that was it, man. That I mean, that you know, obviously that that wrapped up the season. So I, I want to go. I want to kind of go into that at this point. Like, let's we'll do let's do the the good old fashioned. We'll we'll go through some of the players. Not everybody. Um, we'll go through and, and and give some guys some grades. We'll skip over, uh, you know, Mike Miller. What I don't know what grade you give Mike Miller, but um, A plus, A plus, A, A plus, everything <laughs> you want. Um, he was draining some threes right there at the end, right? Um, Let's start with let's start with the young guys and let's start with the guy, uh, Nikola Jokic. Gordon, you first. What grade do you give him? Um, I don't see how you give him anything less than an A. I mean, yeah. he had one of the top, you know, fifteen performances in the league, so that's that's pretty smooth. Um, I guess I can't give him an A plus because he quit on his defense in the last 30, 40 games. But but seriously, like the guy did every everything I can think of. Other than bring defensive intensity, and I don't think he did that because he had a million other things he had to be doing. And honestly, he probably wasn't in the right shape after a long summer playing Serbian, you know, basketball. So that's fine. Dan, what about you? Uh, I'll I'll try to keep it pretty close, <coughs> pretty short on all these. But I'm gonna give. I was gonna give him an A plus, but then uh, I just changed my mind, decided to give him an A, and. Uh, just looking at the whole season, you know, he started off in a rough situation having to play at power forward. I thought it was really noble of him to, to volunteer to go to the bench. And then once he was able to be the starter, just it was fantastic basketball. The one right. complaint that I had about him is that as the season kept going on and on and on, uh, Jokic got really vocal with the referees complaining about um, not getting called for, not getting fouls called. Yeah. Uh, and yep. he, he kind of got, like, a lot of Tim Duncan syndrome, you know, just where, like, yeah. just yeah. appalled yeah. that 
they didn't call it whistle on his defender. He does, uh, you know. He's got uh, he's got Tim Duncan's game all the way around, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, even that's, that look, that that just like whining to the referees. That's so Clippers, and uh, I I didn't like that very much. <laughs> so I'm just gonna give him an A. Hey, all right, so I'm I'm actually I'm gonna be one step down from you guys. I'm gonna give him an A minus, um, and I I agree with everything you guys said for why you didn't uh, you didn't give him an A plus. But you all, I think both of you missed the biggest the biggest detractor to Jokic this season, which was he had how many stupid fouls did we see him take? And that thing is he's got to cut that out. I mean that is that is like the I think his biggest weakness. Because the number one way to stop Nikola Jokic is to take him off the court. And so when he's doing that by doing it himself, um, it's, it, it, it hurts the team. It hurts the team big time. So that's why I would give him an A-. Because other, otherwise, though, I mean, he, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, Nikola Jokic had an amazing season. It was one of the best seasons. You could argue it is the best season a Denver Nugget player has ever had. Um, True. So, yeah, listen, I mean, I'm excited about Nikola. Don't, like I said, don't get me wrong at all. But, uh. That's why I would. Give I'm just. Him I'm just a saying. A there's room for growth. I can't give him an A plus because yeah. there's room for growth. The, and I'm the same way. And you know what? Like, like I said, the, the silly foul thing. I, that's I think one of the, the most uh, easiest things to to learn uh, through experience and, and cut out of your brain. Right, we'll move on to the next guy, who another great guy we're talking about, which is Gary Harris. Dan, I'll let you go first. What's your grade for Gary? I'm gonna give Gary an A, just like I did with Jokic and. Uh, Gary Harris took a great leap this season. Uh, I think the things that kept him from being an A plus, and if if I was going to give like a number grade, it'd probably be like a ninety three point five, so just above an A minus. Uh, you know his his defense are wasn't you, very great. Dan, are you are you uh, grading on a curve with that ninety three point five or? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am grading on a little bit of a curve. Um, you know, everyone's defense was bad, so. And I can't fault him it's too true. much for that. And he did miss some time with it, you know, due to injury. So, you know, I'm going to knock him a little bit there. Gotcha. Gordon, what about you? Um, I gave, I'll give him an A-, and I, I agree with <clears throat> both of those criticisms. Uh, it's hard to criticize a guy who just figured out he can actually pass, which Gary Harris did not do in his first two seasons. You know, but by the end of this year, he's racking up seven, eight, nine assists a game. Like, I got this, no problem. Um, so that was really impressive to see right at the very end. And if that continues into next year, look out. But, um, Gary, I never thought I'd dog a Michigan state guy for defense. Um, but Gary's, Gary's on ball defense, I guess is sort of okay, but I don't know if it's our scheme or what, but every defender looks bad and Gary doesn't look any better than most of the other options that I would expect him to. Um, so I, I think I'm motive for that. And the, the healthy thing, man, like if he's going to, play all these minutes and he's got to stay healthy on the other hand if if coach is going to play him 38 42 minutes a game you know maybe he's not going to stay healthy so we'll see what we can do about that it's true i'm with dan i give him i give him an a um but i'm for the same reasons that you don't get the perfect a plus is is exactly what you guys said the defense i I think gary has all the skills and the tools to be a great defender Um, yeah like you guys have kind of said the scheme and and and, and just i don't know effort or i don't know it's if we had the answer, I think uh, the Nuggets would, would be much better. I think for him, next season, I'd like to see him try to get to the free throw line a little bit more and yep. convert better. Um, and also just maybe get like a little bit more rebounds. 
I think that's kind yeah. Of the next that, that, boy, if he can do that, man, he'll be he'll be another guy who you could you could see getting some triple doubles here. Uh, moving on, Jamal Murray. I can tell you what. All right, I'll go first on this one. Uh, I am going to give Jamal a B plus. I would have originally given him a B, but as we've noted, since he had the sports hernia and he was tough toughing his way through that, because that's one of those injuries, man. It's just like ah, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with uh, sports hernia, but it's it's painful. Um, and it, it's, it makes it, it's like painful to walk, you know, so, um, that's why I give him a B plus because I think for Jamal to get an A to be like a top, you know, uh, top graded guy like some of these other guys, he had to have that big time leap, which as a rookie, I think for you, you would expect him probably to be more so in the, like, maybe like the 14 points per game range as a, as, as a primarily as a scorer, um. But I tell you what, that doesn't say that, that for me that the, the future's not bright for Jamal. I'm a huge Jamal Murray fan. Um, I just think he's got to he's got to you know get a little bit better, uh, kind of all around, pretty much all around game. Um, Gordon, what, what's your grade for Jamal? Um, I give I give him a solid B. I mean, it's <clears throat> he won one Rookie of the Month award, but in a really weak class. The guy, you know, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year, and he'll only get a couple of votes probably. Um, he's, he had, but it's hard to tell. I mean, you might as well give him an incomplete with, uh, if he, if he had his sports hernia and that's why he can't shoot threes or at least, you know, open threes. I'm not sure why he can shoot them if he's backing up and falling sideways, but open is tough, but whatever, you know, that's, that's, uh, Jamal, but his, his defensive effort was there. He's not good at it, but he got effort. Um, he had, he attacked the rim. He showed all the athleticism I didn't think that he had. So that's always nice to see. Um, I don't think he's a good point guard, and I, I'm not sure how long it's going to take him to get good at it. Um, but in this system, he doesn't necessarily have to be a good point guard to play the point guard position and do well at it for us. Um, so I, I give him a solid B. Like, it's, uh, as far as a rookie performance, good job, you know, and, uh, we'll see where he gets to next year. All right, Dan, what about you? I'm going to give Jamal Murray a C+. Um, you know, he came in with a reputation as a shooter and then missed a lot of open shots. Um, I think that he showed off an ability to just to put the ball in the basket in other ways. Um, showed off his vertical jump ability. You know, he gave a lot of effort on defense, but I don't think... I mean, he's a rookie, so he's going to struggle as a point guard. I think he did just enough to show that he can be a great backup point guard next season. And uh, mm-hmm. that's my hot take for the podcast. <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, it almost flows into the next guy to give a grade. So I'll go right back to you now for Emmanuel Moutier. Because, uh, I mean, first of all, I, I want to touch on that. So do you, who who is the, the starting point guard then if Jamal Murray's the backup? Is it Moutier? Um. I believe in Emmanuel Moutier. I think if he's able to just improve on his defense and improve on his point guard skills, I think that he could be the starter next season. I do not think Jameer Nelson should be the starter just due to age and yeah. the, the growth curve for the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets need someone that can just really be that like floor general. You know, kind of, That's what Jameer Nelson did. And I think Emmanuel yeah. Moutier can be better in that role than Jamal Murray, just in the starting yeah. lineup. Um, and then Jameer, or uh, sorry, too many J's. 
Jamal Murray can come off the bench and just be kind of like that scoring option at the point guard position and continue to learn how to be more of a floor general. But it's something that's really hard to do, and it's not something that comes as naturally to him as it does to Emmanuel Moutier. Um, so, but but what what grade though? I mean, would you give Moutier? Because I think he, I mean, you, you certainly you couldn't say he had a better season than than Murray. Oh no, I I would give Emmanuel Moutier a C minus uh, due to injury, okay. turnovers, defense, shooting. Uh, <laughs> Just basically the game of basketball. <laughs> yeah, Life in all general. those skills. Uh, you know, but I think I think this was a really tough season for him. You know, he had to deal with competition, injury, and backer injuries are such a pain to get through. You you you're never really right. You need to just, you have to take so much time off until you're you're able to just function. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll give him a C minus. You know, I thought he played much better at the end of the season. And I also raised his grade because I was going to give him something in the D range, but I raised his grade up to a C minus. Because because of the great attitude that I think he had, uh, cheering on his teammates, showing up, you know, staying throughout the entire game, <laughs> um, and just, that's always a bonus. Just just being just being a, a good teammate, even in a situation where he could have gone, gone opposite. a different direction. Yeah. Right, Gordon. Uh, what's your grade? What's your grade for Moody? A? Uh, Moody is tough for me, man, because uh, I'm still a fan of his. I'm gonna go probably. Uh, Dan went C minus. I'll go like D plus. Um, my problem with Moody is I don't think he did what he needed to do last summer. Um, he didn't come in any different really than he was last summer, and that's that, that's an issue for me. You watch Gary Harris work out, and every year he got something different, and Moody went back to Dallas and I don't know what he was doing because his game came in and it was exactly the same. And that's, that's not good enough. Um, uh, but you watch him next to Jokic and he's, he's good. Like there's why, well, let me back that up. He's as good as Jamal Murray or, uh, approximately Jameer Nelson. Like anybody who's, he's playing the guard position next to, um, Nikola Jokic as well as those guys while being, a better passer. Yeah. Uh, I, I just need him to figure out how to, I don't know, finish at the rim. That would be yeah, great. Um, because honestly, he gets there. He's a slasher. He gets to the hoop. The guy gets, oh, gets to the hoop so easily, it bothers me that he can't finish. It, it just, I can't not be upset by that. Yeah, it's one of the weirdest, I mean, it's the, it's the most frustrating thing for me whenever I watch Moody plays. Yeah, it's, I mean, he gets, all he's got to do is, is is just just finish the layup, man. He pulls the amazing move to get there. Uh, I'm with, I'm kind of right in that same range with both of you guys. I'm a C minus for Emmanuel, and in a lot for what you said, Gordon. I think you really wanted to see that progression um, this season because they, listen, his rookie season was not great. I mean, if we're being honest, it uh, a lot all these problems that he's had this season were there last season as well. And, um, and so you, but you kind of gave him a pass because you said, all right, he's a rookie, you know, it's, it's just the way it goes in the league. He'll get better. Um, and then he, he you know, he didn't, it, he, he was exactly kind of the same, same player as last season. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's tough to overcome. So, but, but I'm, I'm still with both of you guys. Though, like Dan, you said, I mean, I still have such high hopes for him. Um, he's a great kid. I think he's, he loves basketball. 
you know, and and he's got the skills. He really does. He's just he's got to figure out a way to put it all together. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see him, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris uh, in the future. I think that can be an amazing three guard rotation. You figure out who starts, who doesn't. I mean, each of those guys are going to end up in that twenty five to thirty minute range. It's, it's, but he's got to get better. That's the thing is he's he's kind of the key to me. Um, for this team really becoming something special is, is they've got to be able to get something out of them. If it's a bench point guard, uh, that's great. If it's a starting point guard, that much the better. But he's got to be a piece of this core, uh, and he wasn't that this season. So that he gets a C minus. I agree, and I but I like I like what Dan said about the fact that he didn't lose he didn't lose his yeah, um, teammate like his his ability to be a good teammate to cheer you his know people what? on. When you he saw came him before back, all those. You saw before all those um, the game huddles, um, they would have all the guys come out, and it's him, and it's uh, Jamal, and Malik, and uh, Wancho. You might have Mike Miller in it. You might have Will Barton in it. You didn't. You almost never had Chandler and um, Gallo in it, or or Jameer or Fareed. But all the young guys, and he was still there, and they all loved Emmanuel, and he loved them, and nobody. Uh, he didn't let the fact that his professional struggles were there uh, stop him from being a good teammate, and I loved that, and I loved that he came back and looked he looked pretty good when he was pretty, uh, when he yeah, gave him some minutes at the was, end. That's that's what I was going to say. I thought you know that um, the way he came back for those last games after Jameer went down with the calf was really really encouraging. Not so much that he did anything special, just for the way that he was able to come back controls turnovers play within the flow of the offense and be yep. a productive member of the team one more i want to get to one more guy and then we'll take a break uh really the last guy the, the kind of the young core uh wancho hernan gomez uh gordon i'll go to you first man what's your what's your grade for for wancho um i'm gonna go i guess b b minus yeah. um i really i loved the things that he was able to do there were some things he was not able to do. Uh, he, I was surprised at how bad he was on defense against certain players, but then everyone's bad on defense against James Harden and LeBron James. So it's pretty tough to you know get in there and, and mix it up as a 21-year-old rookie. But I loved his three-point shot. His stroke is so pretty. It's ridiculous. It's the, it's the best, man. It's the absolute best. And I, I like I like that he, he takes his rebounding seriously. Um I like that he is more than willing to block and to go down court and to keep a short memory, and those things are all good. Um, he is older than Murray or Moutier or Beasley, um, but he played so much front court center stuff in Europe that uh, becoming a, a like a three and D wings type was not what he was trained for before he got here. So I'm really really curious to see how his summer goes. Because he could be fascinating uh, next year. Yep. All right, Dan. What do you? What's your grade? Well, I just to start off, I just want to say that I I love Wancho. He's probably one of my favorite players on the team. I thought he had a great season, and I'm going to give him a C <laughs> because <laughs> rookies are just generally bad players, and he was just kind of an average rookie. But I, I think that he showed a lot of great signs. Um, his defense was inconsistent. His shooting was inconsistent. His ability to dribble was inconsistent so i'm just going to give him a c but i do i want to ask throwing a little bit of trivia uh for you right. for you two they're you know wancho Darrell, nicole Jokic, they're all pretty decent shooters for big men 
who had more made three-pointers, Wancho or Nicola? Mm. That's a tough one because... Well, because Wancho didn't play much, so that's... Yeah, yeah. but he he had those games like against the Warriors where he caught fire and hit like nine of them. Um, I'm going to go with Nicola. Gordon? I'll go Wancho then. Wancho had 46 on 112 attempts. Yep. Nikola Jokic had 45 on 135. (laughs) (laughs) See? Whenever whenever Zach picks something, I go the other way. That makes me feel There you go. That is how you win bets. Call my number (laughs) 1-900-455. Bet against me. Um, I'm I'm about to be on Wancho. I thought he... Because I, I... Watch the shooting strike is so good that it makes me so biased. I um, I can't. Well, honestly, enough. though, I mean, his win shares, man. I mean, win shares forty eight. He was the best rookie we had. Well, and so like, Dan, Dan, what was that number? To you said he's forty six out of how many? Forty six on one hundred and twelve attempts. On one hundred and twelve, so that's like what, like a forty two percent three point yeah, percentage 41%. as a rookie. Forty one percent. That's that is incredibly good. Um, for a rookie to shoot that, and, and on a hundred and plus temps, it's it's a decent enough sample size to make you to make you excited. So that's I mean he's look he's got to get better uh, like everybody does. But um, I think the ceiling is I think the ceiling is really really high. You guys want my hot take? If you're talking about a big three uh, developing out of this core, I actually think Wancho could end up being one of those guys. I think he can be that good. His ceiling um, is the roof. Is he? <laughs> yes. That is that well, you know. It's it's uh, now when you say it like that, it makes sense, Dan. It makes sense. <laughs> all right. And with that, I tell you what, guys, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll go through the vets who um, I think maybe maybe a little bit a little bit less optimistic of a discussion. Uh, so yeah, we'll be right back. We've all been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest. That's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh, and we are co-hosting today with Daniel Lewis, who is from hanging out down in Littleton. Uh, Gordon Gross from the exotic Colorado Springs, and we were talking. We were talking season grades uh, for for the the Denver Nuggets, kind of wrapping it up, um, wrapping up the season. 
we went through all the young guys, and so now I want to get I want to get us started into the veterans. Um, with thought we're much much more honestly the rookies. Other than hey, Nicola did great, uh, and Gary did great. The rookies and and everybody and all the rest of the young guys more or less kind of what you expect. I think uh, the veterans I thought was a far more interesting story this season. And we'll start with we'll start with a guy who you know. You probably would have thought if at the beginning of the season, if you if I had told you, hey, this guy, you know, he might not be here after this year, uh, you probably might have said, nah, you're crazy. Why would they do that? Um, but now, maybe not so much. That's and that's Will Barton. So my grade for Will uh, is is a C plus, um, and and maybe it's because it's just a it's Will. We kind of talked earlier about you know, um, or we haven't talked about this, but uh, expectations. For a guy, Will had no expectations on him last season, and he flourished and had a it was a six man of the year candidate. This year, people kind of expect, okay, now you are that guy, you are the scorer off the bench, um, and and I think he felt a lot of pressure uh, under that role, which sometimes led to some some poor shot selection. So that's why I you know giving him a C plus. Dan, what's your grade for Will? I'm gonna give Will Barton a C. I think that he just kind of struggled to find his role on the team. And, um, you know, in terms of effective field goal percentage, I'm going to go with a, another stat real quick. Will Barton had a 50.7 effective field goal percentage. That was the third lowest on the team um, behind Moutier. Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Moutier, um, two guys who struggled with their shot a little bit. But Barton definitely took a lot more field goal attempts. Than uh, <laughs> than Emmanuel Moody and Jamal Murray did. So let's say Gordon. Well, sorry, go ahead, Dan. I was just you know, and his his defense was a little inconsistent. I I just can't give him any grade higher than a C. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you, uh, Dan. Or it's not Dan. Gordon, what what about you, man? Um, I'll go a little higher than that because I feel like Will was put in a really hard spot. Uh, I'll go with like a. I'll go with, I guess, a B minus. I'm not even giving him a B. I there was no bench point guard for him, so they said, "Hey, Will, I know that it's not enough for you to be our only bench scorer. Why don't you go ahead and figure out how to be a point guard for a team that's all of a sudden become a passing giant when you're an ISO guy and a transition monster? I'm gonna make you try to figure out how to be a point guard too." That they put a lot on Barton's plate this year, and he struggled with some of it, and I. So you can't give him a great grade for that, but, I mean, honestly, for what I would expect him to have to do for creating everything, because there's no point guard he didn't have. Um, I mean, last year he had a couple of them, and this year, nobody. Uh, because we moved Jameer Nelson to the starting lineup. Uh, instead of, you know, Augustine next to him gives him something to do. There's another shooter, there's another creator, there's another gunner even, because that's what Augustine did. Um, but... Without that, he's got Wilson Chandler, who doesn't run an offense, who is a, is even more ISO than Barton, and then you've got you know a bunch of kids. So it was all it was all Barton this year. Once we moved Jameer to the starting lineup, and I think that that hurt him, uh, just the way that he plays. So yeah, yeah. I, I can't really downgrade him. Uh, I don't think he had a great year. I don't think it was as good as last year, but I think there are reasons for that. Yeah. All right, well, so let's um, we'll move right on to the next guy. Um, you, you just mentioned Gordon, that was uh, Jameer Nelson. Dan, your uh, your grade for Jameer this season? For Jameer, I'm going to give him a B. Uh, I think that he played 
above expectations. You know, he slid into the starting role because the team wanted to, wanted to compete for the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. He had some just horrendous late-game decisions sometimes. But overall, I think he was a pretty reliable floor general. Um, I'm not going to mark him down too much for his defense because I I am taller mm-hmm. than Jameer Nelson. Um, I was like, if you're expecting much out of Jameer on D, then you're, you're probably not making a very good game plan. No, I mean, I, I, I've I've stood next to him in the locker room and talked with him, and I, I look down into his eyes. So, you know, just I can't imagine Are they dreamy? having to defend people in the post. So I'm going to give him a B. Did you? Just, he, did, he did well. He's a 35-year-old veteran. Uh, you know, he showed up and passed the class. You, uh, Dan, let me ask you, when you looked down into Jameer's eyes, did you feel that they were two pools so deep that if you dived in, you might never be able to get back out? No, I, I don't think he likes me very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let me tell you, uh, Jameer, Jameer's tough. He's a tough interview, man. Uh, he's, he's a good guy. I mean, but yeah, I remember the first time I interviewed him in media day and he definitely gave me the, uh, uh yeah, it felt, it almost felt like he was like scolding me uh, a little bit. Well, you, Gordon... I, you're, you, you know, I lived on the East Coast for a little while, so I can appreciate his uh, brusque attitude. But I mean, he's just, he's just being, he's just being from Philly. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm from Jersey, man. I don't, I don't, I don't have that problem either. <laughs> yeah. Gordon, what was so, your grade for uh, Jameer? Uh, I gave him a, a B as well, uh, maybe even a B plus. I mean, Jokic said he's the leader of the team. That's his guy. That's the guy who runs the team. Um, Jameer, even with that, halfway through the year had to say, wait, I have to change my game in order to play next to Jokic because he was terrible next to Jokic yeah. for the first half of the season. Well, guess what? Second half of the season, he adjusted. He got a lot better. And that's not easy to do when you're 35 years old and it's always been your team and you've always run it your way um, to go ahead and, and sublimate that um, for the good of the team. And Jameer was able to do that. So yeah, he he would drive me crazy with his late game. I'm gonna do hero ball stuff, um, and but he won a couple of games that way too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I'm not expecting any defense out of Jameer. But for my expectation level versus what he provided, yeah, he exceeded my expectations for him this year. So that's that one, that's where I wanna I wanna talk about my grade because I uh, this is this this is actually the hottest blog take I had. Not blog, not only bloggers, but it would be that to kind of take too. I'm giving Jameer an A. Um, Whoa! You, if you, what did what did we expect him to be coming into this season? Remember, DJ Augustine replaced him at the end of the year last season. I mean, they said he was injured, but he wasn't injured. He he recovered yep. by the end of the year. They and they just were like, all right, Jameer, you're not going to play at all. So he comes into the season, and you're like, all right, well, I guess Jameer will be the backup. You know, we don't know, but you you just drafted Jamal Murray, so you're not sure. Maybe maybe Jameer's still not going to play. Maybe he's going to move into more of a Mike Miller role. Um. And not only does he come out in first gig, I mean, he was big for us in the beginning of the season off the bench, and then he and then he takes over the starting role. I thought he played really well for what your expectations were. Now, listen, if you think uh, Jameer Nelson should be, be an all-star point guard and winning you a ton of games, then, then you're not making a good judgment of who he is as a basketball player right now. But for, for what is he, 35 years old? You know, so for, for a guy who's that age playing point guard as effectively as he did this season... Uh, what what more could we have expected out of him? I guess would be my argument. It's true. I mean, he had he had his best season in what five years, six years. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you go back to his heyday in Orlando was the last time he put up these kind of numbers. Um, 
So, and, and look, that that's the, not for me to say, hey, Jameer Nelson is, is the, the, the guy and was, um, is the, who we should be playing at point guard next season. I, I have a totally different opinion on that. But, uh, for, for this season, for what he was, I don't think you could have asked any more. Um, we'll move right into the next guy. I'll go first on, uh, on, uh, actually, no, I, I already went first on one. So we'll go, uh, we'll go with Gordon. Um, Kenneth Fareed, what's your grade on him? Um, I'm going to go B minus on B-. Kenneth. All right. Um, and, and he's, it's not all, all his fault. Like, there's a lot to do, but if, if the rumor that he was one of the guys who didn't want to go off the bench and he likes being a starter and he wouldn't give it up um, early in the season, which was one of the problems Malone was having with getting the lineups to work right, and one of the reasons that Chandler was frustrated, um, then, you know, I have some things to say about whether that's for the best of the team. I already gave, you know, Jameer props for... You know, taking what he usually does and and adjusting it, but Kenneth was not willing to do that or able. And then he didn't play a lot of minutes. Like, what was this fewest minutes per game of his career? So, uh, you know, and he was injured. He had back troubles. Um, when he got on the court and he could play next to Jokic, he was fine. And if you took him away from Jokic, it was it wasn't good. It just wasn't good. And that was, I mean, he had trouble with. Rhythm, because he's not on the court, then he's sometimes on the court, then he's, you know, off with back injuries or whatever. So, you know, I get it, but he he is not the impactful machine, even at, even at rebounding, that I we expect him to be. So, yeah, I'll give him a B-. minus. Dan, what about you? I'm going to give free to C. I think this was the year that he ascended to true post-Carmelo Nuggets. Uh... Denver Nuggets player, um, you know, where he was missing years of injury. His role was inconsistent. Um, he had great games. He had some bad games. Didn't play defense. Struggled to pass the ball. But, you know, hey, in the end, he's he's still the manimal. He had some big dunks. Um, he had some big plays. Uh, he, he also let Damian Lillard score a game winner on him pretty easily. So, yeah. just kind of a average season for Freed. If this is the kind of free that we're going to get every season, I mean, that's not very exciting. But I, I think that there were some positive signs with him alongside Jokic. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll be healthy next season and everything will work out. But I don't know. I'm, I'll be I'll re- continue to remain skeptical on Freed's ability to succeed in the NBA. I will say I liked his, his passing. I liked the fact that he, he got better... Um, at including his teammates and things, he wasn't just a put-back guy. He made yeah. some great, very creative passes. He did a. It, there were signs of growth in his game, but with the the inconsistency of his ability to play, I just I don't know what to bet on with him. So it's not very exciting for me when like a twenty-seven-year-old is like, "Oh, hey, I can pass the ball." Like that's just not, <laughs> not a very. So I tell you sign. what, my. Uh... My grade on Fareed is a uh, is a solid B because I'm with I'm with you guys on a lot of things. I'm with you on like on the on the injuries. It was, but you know, I mean, I can't. I mean, it's hard to blame a guy. I mean, back spasms especially is a tough one um, to deal with. And and the, I think though there was there was a lot of inconsistency as there was with a lot of a lot of the guys on the team. A lot of inconsistencies with Fareed, uh, especially when he wasn't good at the beginning of the season. 
Um, but towards towards the the middle and the back of the year, until he uh, when he wasn't hurt, he uh, he looked really good. You guys are right, I mean, especially the next Nikola Jokic. The problem with Fareed next to Jokic is while that is great on offense, on defense it uh, is is not a good pairing really at all. I mean, it's, it's tough to find a good pairing next to Jokic as it is. Um, Fareed just just not going to be that guy. So. But I thought he had a good season when he was on the court. Um, I thought I thought by the end of the year he was great. It's it's funny he's one of those guys we talked about, you know, as, as a major trade possibility at the uh, beginning of the season, and now now here we are at the end of the year. I mean, anything's possible this off season, and we're going to get into that a bit. But uh, Fareed, I think, is one of those guys. He's probably pretty safe. I think uh, I think he, he showed that he he can play in this Jokic system, um, and so that's what gives him a solid B for me. We'll move into the next guy. Um, I'll go first on this one, which is Wilson Chandler. Uh, I give I give Wilson a C plus uh, on the season, and it's a tough it's a tough grade because on the court, I thought Wilson um, did everything right, and I thought he he was an excellent excellent part of the rotation. In fact, at the beginning of the year, he was uh, kind of carrying the team scoring. Um, he he showed some real defensive prowess when the Nuggets needed it in some some crucial games. Um, I thought that was all great. That being said, uh, and I'll just leave it at this: a little too much, little too much off the court commentary um, for me. So that's why I give him a C plus. Dan, what about you? I'm going to give Wilson Chandler a B plus. Um, he took on just you know he kind of had an inconsistent season as well. Uh, Chandler led the team in field goal attempts this season with 940. So he was, you know, taking a lot of shots, but he was in and out of the starting lineup and through no fault of his own. You know, he played in 71 games, which is great for a guy that coming off of some serious injuries in the past. Um, I think his defense was good at times, bad at times, but yeah, just, you know, the off the court stuff and, you know, I, I'm not sure how happy he was this season. I think I think this was a really challenging season for him. I think it was. I think ways. he was pretty unhappy. If we're being honest, I think he was pretty unhappy. I think he uh, well, pretty he much said his same much, face you know? though. Like, how can you tell? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He'd be a good guy. I've seen a couple good Wilson Chandler memes. Gordon, what about you, man? What did you give him for the season? Um, I'll give him a B. I, I'm kind of, I don't know. Chandler is Chandler. I I like him. I don't think he's as good as Gallinari, um, and I don't think I think his defense is overrated. Um, and that's not his fault. He's had two giant hip surgeries that reduced his ability to move laterally. Right. That seems to have capped his defensive potential. Yeah. And that 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 happens. I mean, what are you going to do? Injuries take you down. Um, he gives effort. I I don't like the way that he fits into the offense necessarily. Um, I don't think he plays well next to Jokic, um, not as well as some other options, because it's not really his game. His game is, um, I don't know, more Stan Van Gundy Detroit and less this. Yeah. So uh, really, I can understand why he was frustrated, because this doesn't bring out the best in him. But he still had a pretty average year for him. Like, I mean, this was yeah, – this is, this is Wilson Chandler. That's why. You know, I mean, this is this is what you would expect from from Wilson. If he's healthy, then this is what you're going to get. And so I can't I can't really downgrade him for not being a perfect fit or um, being annoyed at the fact that his role kept changing and we kept changing the offense on him, also the defense on him. 
you know, I, I can get those frustrations. I get that. But so I'll just give him a solid B and uh, call that good. Make All right, free throws. Uh, <laughs> make your free throws. Eh? Yeah. Uh, last so last guy, um, Danilo Gallinari. Uh, Dan, what's your grade? I'm going to give Gallinari a C plus. Um, I mean, I, another guy that was just kind of inconsistent in and out of the lineup. He only played 63 games this season, but he, you know, he, I don't think we're ever going to see Gallinari play an 82 game season again. Not especially right. not as a starter. Um, yeah. I think, you know, he just continues to struggle rebounding the ball for someone that's six ten, six eleven. Um, his three point shot was all right this season. Shot thirty eight percent, but you know, I just I'm not a really big fan of the the way that he plays, driving to the rim and, and flailing. And I, I think that in yes. and a, and a season where the Nuggets really could have used um, his his veteran experience, especially in the fourth quarter, I thought there was too many times where he just he he kind of needed to force the issue and say like I'm going to get to the free throw line or I'm going to to make this mid-range jumper. And I think he just passed up too many of those opportunities. The team needed him to step up and kind of take over that veteran leadership role, and he didn't do that. So I, I dock him there and give him a C+. All right, Gordon? I I think that's a bit harsh. I'm giving the guy a B plus. He, I mean, he had the best e-field goal percentage of his career. He had the best actual two-point field goal percentage of his career. He shot great from three. The guy made 90% of his free throws. You know, you're not you're not playing him to have him as a defender. It's like asking Greg Monroe to play defense. I don't I don't rate him on that. You have to adjust for the fact that he doesn't do that. Um, I think they played him too much. I mean, that was always my complaint early in the season was Gallo getting these 22 minutes at a clip ridiculousness and playing 40 plus minutes. Whereas if you play him 28, maybe 30, you'd be better off, and I think you'd have Gallo for more games. So if did, if the Nuggets decide to resign him, played per game. Yeah, exactly. It was like thirty more, thirty four minutes or something. Like yeah. I mean, he played a ton of minutes this year for a guy who has injury problems. So I just, if they're gonna bring him back, they have to bring him back with the knowledge that you cannot play him like that to just or, understand what he does and, or you're and get sixty games out of him. Well, correct. Yeah. So, but otherwise, I mean, he he had a really good year. For the things that Gallo does, so for a Gallo year, I give it a B plus. All right, so I'm with I'm, I'm right there with Gordon at B plus. Um, he's the best second best player on the team. I don't think there's there's it's hard yep. to argue with anybody else. You could make an argument for Gary Harris. I'll give you that. Um, but I would I would still give it to Gallo overall in the full body of the work of the season. Uh, that being said, well, he yeah, played more the, games the, than Gary Harris. Yeah, that that that's true. Oh, that's very true. Um, and, and just like we said with Gary, and the same thing with, with Gallo, the injuries are an issue. Um, and Gallo acknowledged that. Gallo said that very first thing in the immediate day. So day one of the season, uh, he noted that him and Wilson Chandler uh, needed to be healthy and that they wanted, if they were healthy, they thought they could make the playoffs. That was that was something that he said. Um, and and he just, he, once again, man, was just nagging, kind of nagging injuries. Um they, they, they catch up with Gallo, which, uh, with the exception of one season, has always been has always been the case. It's always been um, a combination of stuff, and that was that was once again what it was. But at the same time, I mean, Gallo, I think he could. I, I you know what? If if, if they, um, we'll tell you what. We'll, we'll we'll roll right into the next section, which is I want to talk about the off season. 
um, and talk about a couple guys that we've some we've already talked about before. We talked about a couple guys whose contracts are up or who, who might not have a role uh, with the team next season, and, and get you guys' opinion on it. So let's start though, right with there with Gallo because Gallo's a free agent um, well, now, or he will be. He could, he could, yeah, exactly. Um, can we can we finally stop saying that? Like I always have to like be conscious when on this podcast, be like, well, we don't officially have word that Gal is going to opt out, so we say, oh you know, yeah, he could be, but he hasn't on. decided yet. He has. That's right. He's going to go on vacation. He's going to rest the body. Um, and then he'll, he'll he's not going to rest the body. He's going to go play for Italy. He's not resting the body. <laughs> he said it. He said it the, that he was going to rest the body there at the, the closing. Sure. The, this media closeout. Um, what do you guys think about it, the offseason? I guess, Gordon, I'll get your opinions first. Like, do you think he's back? Do you think, it, or, or what, what price should he come back? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on Gallo? I've always said that he's going to be back. I'm not changing now. Um, Tim Connolly is very upfront about the fact that he loves Gallo. Gallo likes Denver if they pay him. Um, he likes Denver anyway, but he would like them more if they would pay him. Uh, so I still expect him to be back and I expect Chandler to be traded. So, you know, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've changed that at all. Um, as far as price, I think they should get the same discount they got for, um, Darrell Arthur. You know, we looked at Darrell Arthur's contract and we were like, why is it? Well, not, not price wise, but Darrell Arthur came in about 25% under his market value based on what was going on this off season. And then we realized he was only going to play half the year. You know, Darrell Arthur, we got a dis- he got a discount because he's not healthy and he's never going to be healthy again. Yeah, he so, games. right. So you know they they budgeted for sixty. He only played forty, but maybe next year they'll get their sixty out of him. But he's a guy that also like like um, Gallo is always naggingly injured, and so I would get whatever a twenty five percent discount is off of Gallo's expected deal and go with that so if if he was going to max out at 24 then you pay him you know 18 and then you sign him up and you go yeah dan dan what do you think they're going to do um with gallo well i mean like i brought up that he could opt out i mean we don't know if he is or not um if he does uh this this may be harsh and i know gordon and some other writers on our site may not appreciate this but I wouldn't offer Gallo more than $12 million a year for three years uh, to come back to Denver. Uh, just with That is... That, it's an insulting offer. <laughs> um, yeah, Jose, that is, uh, that is saying no, no thank well, you. Yeah, well, I guess they, they, they're not offering, so yeah, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's what I'd say. Like, hey, look, you know, may, maybe give him, like, a player option for year three, but just be like, look, you know, you can't play... You haven't shown us that you can play 82 games a season. Uh, we're going to be able to pay you this much. We want to play, want you a lot more minutes. So, you know, that might be able to help you stay healthy. But also, you know, we're not, we're also, if we can't find somebody to trade Wilson Chandler to, then we're not going to resign yeah. you anyways. And they have until, you know, like J- July 10th to figure that out. If they well, can't they find somebody the for Chandler, right. I, I don't think that they, I don't think that they, I don't think just long-term financially that they can afford to re-sign Gallinari, especially for what he thinks yeah, yeah. he might get, and also have Wilson Chandler, and also want to give Juancho Hernan Gomez minutes. And I really think that they need to add a defensive wing. So that's four players at the small forward position for 96 minutes. You know, so I, right. I just don't see, you know, either Gallo has to leave 
Chandler has to leave. Um, but and if Gallo comes back, they can't pay him. They cannot pay him twenty million dollars a year. Yeah. So you know what, Dan, I'm 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 um I'm more with you on this one. I I, just, I don't think he's going to be back. Is what it is. I think I think he can definitely get more money on the open market. I don't think the Nuggets are going to. They're not going to be in a position where they're like, hey, we're going to pay you. You know market value. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to want to pay under market value for Gallo. Um, and Gallo's going to take more because he's going to want these things we've talked about, consistency. Um, Gallo's, he's in his prime right now. Uh, he, he, I think, can be a guy who's borderline a third best player on a championship team. I think he can do that for you if he can be healthy, which is, of course, the huge if. Um, yeah, and so I think he's going to go. I just, I, I just, that's the way it's happening because oftentimes, like Gordon, you're saying as well, so maybe they'll trade Wilson Chandler, which, which I agree that would, if, if they keep Gallo, that, that, that would be the natural path they would take. Um, but oftentimes in the NBA, what we find happens is whatever's the most simplest or the, not most, the simplest thing to do, um, which is to simply let Gallo walk, which is a shame then if that's, that's what you're going to do because you, you should have tried to get something for him at the deadline. Even if it was a second round pick, it would be better than walk because you didn't, you didn't make the playoffs. So, um, that's well, that's my, with, with him, with Gallo, like, uh, the Nuggets have to decide who they're keeping. Um, they can't re-sign Barton for the price Barton's going to get, and they can't re-sign Chandler for the price Chandler's going to get. Not together. So you're only keeping one of the three guys. So you can either pay Barton $15, $16 million a year easy off the bench, you know, or you can play pay Chandler next year. Like, I mean, this is a year from now. But you, you can play, you know, Chandler maybe $18 million to stay, but he's been unhappy, so that probably won't happen. Or you can pay it to Gallo, and Gallo is the best player of the three. So if you're trying to work it out, if, you, if you're going to get them all for the same price in 2019, then you just got to figure out if you're going to re-sign Gallo now. And if you are, then you have to move Barton and you have to move Chandler. That's just how it works. Monetarily, that's how it works. Monetary, and so you make, I mean, you, you make a good point because there's also another guy there because um, you that you got to think about paying right now this season the other free agent this offseason, which is Mason Plumley, who's a guy yep. you just traded. So you trade Yusuf Nurkic, um, who ends up be playing great for, for Portland, as we know. Do um, not mention his name. No, we're done. Yeah, yeah. and um, you get back Mason Plumley. You also give up a first-round pick uh, or move back, move back in a year later in, in the draft to get a second-rounder back and some cash. Um, if you If you give up all that, though, for a three-month rental backup center who does not end up helping you get into the playoffs, that is a colossal failure of a trade. Yep. Um, so I think you have to, if even nothing more than to save face, uh, you have to re-sign Mason Plumley. Um, Dan, what are your thoughts on, on what they do with Mason? I think it's an interesting position for Tim Connolly, uh, especially looking at the free agent crop for centers in this upcoming summer. Uh, I think the number one center on the market is probably Greg Monroe. And then you have, I don't know, just a fist fight between Mason Plumley and Nerlens Noel. And yeah. Noel is a restricted free agent, and he'll probably be resigning with Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. Give him a ton of money. But I, I don't think that there's a lot of teams, you know, I, I don't want to go too long, but I don't think that there's going to be a lot of teams that are looking to add a backup center you know, and I can think that's kind of what Plumley projects out to be throughout the rest of his career. So I think, because, yeah. especially because he's a restricted free agent, the Nuggets can kind of afford to 
go another insulting offer and uh, toss out like a four-year, $10 million per season, so four-year, $40 million contract, and just say, hey, like, hey, you know, we're you're a restricted free agent. You can take this offer, but you can try to find somebody that give you more. Um, and if, if another team comes in and soups Plumley away, um, you know, maybe the Nuggets can try to get someone like, uh, I don't know, like Nene back or, you know, find a center in the draft. Okay. Well, Nene, who's, who's working up a sponsorship deal for uh, Just for Men. Uh, hey, he is Gordon. Ball, he is balling in Houston. <laughs> he is balling. He is. He is. He is. He's got the salt and pepper. That's he's all play, I'm saying. He's playing cl- crunch time minutes for the Rockets. That's true. No, he's he's in the maze. And he's a good passer. He'd be a he's good backup a, center. You know, he's had a great career too. He's had a great career when you look back on it. Um, for a guy who doesn't Gordon, like basketball, he's done pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Gordon, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on Mason Plumlee though? What do you think they do there? They got to resign him. I. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's just for partially for saving face, um, but also you don't have a lot of other options there on the market. There's not a lot of great centers that can do what you're even asking Plumlee to do. Um, now, Conway did a, a great job of demolishing uh, Plumlee's value in about 30 games. Uh, <laughs> That's the secret plan. Right? By revealing all of his weaknesses and benching him. So, you know, rather than letting him play very well with Portland and getting a lot of money, um, he's going to come here and get a lot less money. Uh, so he might be pissed off about that. But, you know, business is business. Um, you're a restricted free agent, so what does it matter? You're a restricted free agent, so you're stuck. So, yeah, I'm, I think we're not going to charge him a little more than um, – than Dan thinks, but I think they can get him for – if you're going to pay him for four years, you can go under 50, I think. And yeah. uh, that'd be less than Fareed's contract, and that'd be pretty okay. Hey, can I under 50. Um, yeah. yeah. I I do think that if it is in that like 40 to $50 – 40 to $50 million range, I do think that it is a good resigning for the Nuggets because, you know, Plumlee will have an additional training camp and have more time yep. just to be like, okay, this is what your role is going to be. This is how we're going to scheme our defense. You know, you're not – Nikola Jokic, you're not Darrell Arthur. Like this is what we're going to do is with you as a backup center, and I think that that could be a good resigning. Like I, I'm in favor of bringing Plumlee back. I just don't want to pay like I, I I'm, I'm not even you're right. Eighteen like million, million or something like that. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, I don't want to pay Mozgov money for him. Right. Yeah, that, exactly. That's all. Exactly. If you can stay away yeah. from that, then it could be fine. I think I think you guys uh you guys both bring up that great point, which is exactly that. You can't overpay for the guy um, just to try and save face. I think you need to try and save face. But if somebody if somebody gives him some crazy $18 million a season deal, you got to let him go. you got to just you know, lick your wounds and move on. Yeah, it's exactly. the Evan Turner well, principle. It's the right, Evan well, Turner it's, principle. It's, if somebody offers you, him $70 million, then you let him go. It's exactly. And it's, it's on you uh, for taking the gamble in that trade. And you gambled and you lost. And you move on. Yep. Um, and you don't, you don't compound it. By making another another bad move by overpaying a guy um, who's going to later down the road be make it financially difficult on you. Uh, next guy who I wanted to talk about, not a free agent, but because I think we touched on it a little bit, but um, because of the point guard, and I was just thinking about this on my on my way home from work today, and I thought this would be something good to talk about. Um, I think Jameer Nelson is a guy who I, I think is very intriguing this offseason because he's got essentially three two pass with the Nuggets, in my opinion. Um, he can either A, um, 
accept a role as the the mentor um, kind of mentor role that Mike Miller has been filling. So I don't think they're going to bring Mike Miller back. Um, and and basically be a guy who's not going to get minutes. Or B, um, they can trade him. I don't think I, – I don't – like I think at this point Jameer is a guy – even though – look, I gave him an A. I gave him an A on the season for his season grade. Um, I don't think – he doesn't fit the timeline of the team at all. So I think now – I think if there's one guy under contract uh, over Chandler, over Barton, over anybody, one guy under contract that I think uh, they're going to try hard to move, it's going to be Jameer Nelson. Um, Dan, what do you think? Well, I think that the Nuggets should try to, to look to trade Jameer. Um, I mean, he's been great. He's a solid, dependable veteran at the point guard position. I just think you know, he's going to be 35, 36 next year. In the last year of his contract, I think that they should try to move him. Um, I think a, a perfect um, pairing for him would be to try to move him to the Detroit Pistons for someone like Stanley right. Johnson who's kind of played himself out of the rotation, but maybe he could just use a fresh start somewhere else. And he could reunite with Stan Van Gundy for the last year of his career and, you know, ride out in glory with Stan Van. <laughs> Gordon, what about you, man? Um, this is why I wanted to trade him to the Cavs and um, add um, Ricky Rubio uh, about two months ago. Yeah. So if they'd done that, uh, Rubio would have looked pretty good, and we would have had something for Jameer, and life would have been fine. But now it's Jameer's team, and if the whole team believes it's Jameer's team, you're going to have a lot of trouble trading Jameer if you don't bring another vet back um, or bring Gallo back or somebody who's a – anybody who who's willing to, like, be a veteran for this team. Don't you think, though, so a part of the progression of, of Jokic at this point is the next step is, like, okay, you have to, this is your team – You've got to you've got to step up. And, and Jokic that role. Jokic is the youngest brother, man. I mean, he's yeah. it, he's it's going to take him a minute to take on a leadership role because all he's ever had his whole life his ass kicked the is is a, is a whole bunch of older guys that he can look up to. Yeah. yeah, he he doesn't have that. He's not, and he doesn't have his man strength, and he's not American. So half of the guys on the team are going to be. Um, he hasn't been to any place they haven't been. He's yeah. just as young as they are. So you can't, like, it's Jameer's team because he's been to a finals. You know, he's been in the league forever. He knows what's going on. He can sit you down and say, look, man, I went through a two-year slump, and here's what I did. You know, it, it's right. those things that that Jokic, even if it's his team as far as we're building around him, he can't do that from a leadership position. So if you move Jameer, and I think that they should, you still have to find yourself a veteran who's going to talk. And that's not Wilson. Nope. Um, it's not, it's, honestly, I don't think it's not really. It's really not Gallo either. In my it's not. It's not really Gallo either. But it, it, at least then you'd have somebody. But if you remove um, Jameer from this team and don't add another veteran of some kind who's not Mike Miller, yeah. I think you're going to have trouble getting better results next year because you don't have a steadying guy who actually plays yeah. um, and who and who will talk to people because Wilson doesn't talk to anybody. So. I mean, that's that's my my concern about that. I would move him, but you're still going to have to replace that leadership figure with someone else. Well, I don't see, want to keep the podcast moving on, but I, I just want to chime in that a, a great veteran who's had a history of talking with players and is a great has a lot of t- a ton of experience in the NBA, the King of Park Hill. 
King of Park Hill. Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. So you, is he going to play again? Because that would be awesome. No. If he's unretired. <laughs> bring him in as a point guard. That's why, that's why I was confused. I was like, wait a second. Um, no, bring so you're talking Chauncey. about bringing in... Yeah, but Chauncey wants to be like a, a, in that GM role. So I don't know how much... I mean... Hey, if... You don't want to be... I mean, if you could have him, him as, like, a player development Chauncey. coach. Make him the Magic, the Magic Chauncey. You are firing Tim Connolly? Is that where, where you're going with this? No, no. Look, Magic <laughs> works with Rob Palenka. He has a GM. Oh, that's true. You know, Magic yeah, but that's but, but but that's just it. But but Tim Connolly's not the GM; he's the executive vice president of basketball operations. So whatever, he would be <laughs> he would be the guy who would fill that Magic Johnson role currently. Words um, words don't have meaning; just create a title. I, I just there you go. Yeah, we go. We'll call Chauncey the executive vice president of player, player strategies and strategies and games. There you go. Um, I'm with you. No, I think, you know, I, I, Dan, you set it up. I thought you were going to say Paul Millsap because that's who I would have said. No. Uh, Paul, I would, I'm, I'm all right with Paul. That's fine right. with me. That would be the veteran I tried to bring in. But I'd pay like him 3 said, and 30 if you want it because we don't need the money until the third year. So Exactly, exactly. Give him what he wants and get a, get a veteran who can play defense. No concept. All right, so I want to wrap up this podcast with one more guy who I think is somewhat of a polarizing subject. I found out this out on Twitter. Somewhat. Um, so well, yeah, I know. I guess I uh, I tweeted something out about about uh, Coach Michael Malone uh, detractors and how they could they could you know kick sand, calm down. Yeah, you wanted them to pound sand, but that didn't happen, man. Like, yeah, and then are, I lost. I lost they got like torches ten, and pitchforks. Look out! I lost like ten followers that night. It was kind of funny. <laughs> so, um, so that's who we're talking about, though, Coach Coach Malone. So I guess Dan, I'll get your opinion first, uh, Coach Malone. What do you think? Is he is he back next season? What are the expectations? Um, oh, I think he'll. There? I think he'll be back next season. I, I don't know, man. We, my biggest gripe with Malone is just that we had so many freaking rotations this year, and our defense was just garbage. So it was bad. Yeah. But you know, it's a young team. But you know, I I hate making excuses for him because it's the NBA, and you're the head coach, and it's your job to to correct those mistakes. So I think next year is kind of like a do or die. It's his last year of his contract. But I, I have always been in favor of trying to just, you know, have some sense of continued continuity, you know, of establishing an identity. And I think if the Nuggets can kind of move some of the pieces that on their team that are a problem and aren't helping contribute to the team's success as much as they could be, uh, or if there are better options out there. I think if we can get some better players in, um, some guys that can play defense, you know, build around Jokic, give give Malone an offseason where he can say, okay, look, you know, I don't have to deal with Nurkic and Jokic. It's just one guy. I'm going to go with Jokic, Murray, you know, identify the core players and build around that, give him some good pieces in the draft and free agency. And I think next season you kind of have to expect them to finish 500, you know, because they went 40 and 42 this year. If they can finish yeah. 500 next year, I think that, you know, that we should keep Michael Malone around. If, if they don't go, mm. if they don't go 500, I I think you have to look at possibly bringing someone else in. Gordon, what are your thoughts? Well, I I know a lot of people think that Malone's in trouble. I don't think Malone's in trouble. I he's going to get next year at least. And then the the team has a club option on him if they want it for year four. Um, right. I don't I don't know that he'll get the fourth year, 
but he's definitely getting three. And there's no way you can you can throw him out the door after he you know increased increased his win total by seven. Well, he well. found he found a superstar. He's every guy that every young player they've got has improved. You know, even Moutier uh, at the end of the year looked fine next to to Jokic. He doesn't look great, but he looks serviceable. So there's there's nothing going wrong except that Malone apparently has no idea how to run a defense. Um, pissed off all of his veterans. Can't form a lineup. Is terrible out of timeouts. Like it, it, he has all of the problems that you hate of in-game stuff. But his his teaching seems to be just fine. His everything everything you want from a guy who's trying to take, turn twenty-year-olds into champions, he's doing fine. He just he's he's bad at the minute by minute stuff. It's the other stuff, and I agree. Yep, and I, I agree a lot on that. Um, and I think though, I think the, the, the okay. So I think the number one argument. I already said the wins, um, which is the center because one guy responded to me. He was like, "Oh, the Nuggets. If it wasn't for Malone, they could have won forty-five, fifty wins." I was like, "So you you honestly expected the team to improve <laughs> twelve to seventeen wins on one season when they really made no off-season additions whatsoever, like except for three rookies? You really think that they're going to improve by seventeen wins?" Um, but you know, you know, you, you can't feed the trolls. Don't, yeah, don't, don't uh, talk on Twitter. It's a bad idea. But, uh, but I think, I don't think coach gets enough credit for the player development. I thought he did an amazing job with Nicole Young. I thought he did an amazing job with Gary Harris. Look how much, look how much different you can, and you can talk a lot about guys getting older and whatever you want, but look at the difference of Gary Harris with Brian Shaw versus Gary Harris with Michael Malone. There's a stark contrast there. Um, He's, he's, I thought Jamal Murray did about as good as you could reasonably expect Jamal Murray to do, especially if he had a sports hernia. Uh, Emmanuel Moody. So did the vets, all the vets. We talked about yeah, the vets well, earlier, and they were all pretty good for the problem we yeah. have is that they're all doing pretty well and they're not good enough. That's and really the issue that we exactly. have. Exactly. And there's, and there's too many of them. Um, right. To give, to divvy up the minutes, which is why I think a lot of the rotations for coach were tough. I mean, you, he had all kinds of different vets. To, mess, to mix and match, and then he never usually had, like, a full compliment. And I and I will give you this. It took him some time to figure out, you know what, I can't make everyone happy. I can't try and play 10, 11-guy rotations. It doesn't work. It still makes guys pissed off. And it's not working for us as a team. We're not winning ball games that way. And right. give him credit for the second half of the season. He made that decision to say, you know what, we're going to go down to an 8-9 man rotation and some guys, I'm going to have to have hard conversations with them. Darrell Arthur was a guy um, who, you know, granted, he basically was dealing with a knee the entire season. Not basically, he was. Um, so some of those conversations are probably easier. But give him credit for, for making that making that in-season adjustment. Um, I think it, it was as much as you could expect out of the out of the coach this season. If you were going to give him a grade, I would have given him probably a, probably a B plus, A minus because of some of those in-game – Stuff you guys talked about, uh, some of the weaknesses he had there, but overall, the if you looked at okay, so so we year one he changed the culture. He was successful at doing that. When you think about where they were um, when coach hired on compared to where they are now, it's it's incredible as far as culture uh, was concerned. And then the second season, he he figured out who his star player is. He figured out um, how to run an offense around him. And he got them seven more wins. That's exactly on the de- the development curve that you would want. Uh, now, next season, you better make the playoffs. And, and Dan, I thought it was interesting. You said he's yeah. got to be five hundred. I don't think I think no. five hundred probably might get him fired. 
Um, I think he's probably got to be somewhere on that 46 win, 47 win range. Um, I'm thinking 45, but yeah, I, I agree with right? you on that. And, and a, or, or playoff berth. Now, let, let me let me say this. I, if 42 wins gets you into the playoffs, then he keeps his job. Um, right. But that is, that is, I think, what it's going to take because because as much as we say, hey, he's, he's safe because he had seven wins, don't forget this is this is Josh Kroenke who uh, fired George Carl who, after winning 57 games, which was a, a franchise record. So it's it's not out of the realm. They've shown they will. They are willing to make a change, um, despite having regular season success. Um, now I will say this: I, I for him, I the... I really need him to find a defensive uh, assistant because he doesn't have one right now. Yeah. Um. He he got Chris Finch, which is a great get, and Chris has been instrumental with this whole Jokic thing. Yeah. So that's I mean that's perfect. But everybody else, I mean, we lost basically every assistant except for Mike Inori, who wasn't in this role right. last year. Like, they all quit or got new jobs or got fired, like Ed Pinkney. Yeah. So, um... Well, look, look, Ed Pinkney was, uh, I mean, you know, he, I think he was okay with that. Well, I know. He wanted to leave, obviously. But I'm just saying, we can't have that again. And we're going to need Malone to find somebody who helps him with the defense. I mean, if... If it was Ed's defense last year, I don't know if it was, but Ed was his primary defensive assistant. You know, yeah. we were better at defense last year than this year. So, and again, like you said, the personnel didn't change that much. So my question is, you know, what was the difference? What were we doing differently? What other input was there that's not there now? Because right now you got a bunch of guys who had never been at this um, level of coaching before. They're all happy to be here. Um, except for Chris Finch, who took the offense and was amazing. So they better find a Chris Finch for the defense to help Malone out, because otherwise I I have concerns about that. Um, I don't like it just being his idea. I think he works better when he gets more input and can make um, decisions with more data than he's currently bringing him to the party himself. Gotcha. So, all right, Dan, I'll let you, I'll let you close this out here. What, final thoughts on, on Coach Malone? Well, I, I like I like Coach Malone. I mean, I, I wish he would have played more defense like he did against the Mavericks. But, I mean, I, I, really, <laughs> I really I really think that, you know, I think that there are the – he has the potential to develop into a good coach. You know, not yeah. everyone can be Steve Kerr with the Warriors and win like 100 games in your first 120 games <laughs> as a head coach. But not well, every, if you not have, if you have Steph Curry. He with you, Steph yeah. Curry and Clay Thompson. Curry. And Draymond Green, right? So you know, or pays for the best offensive and defensive coaches in the league. They pay their they pay their coaches an insane amount run, of money. Right. I, Ron I think, Adams makes a ton of money. I I think that some of the most important things that you can do in the NBA is just develop a culture that that contributes to success. You know, you look at teams like Miami, you know, with Eric Spolstra, who who rose up yep. through the ranks and is a great coach. And he has he is in no risk of losing his job, you know. I I have lived in Dallas for some time, and Rick Carlisle is an amazing coach, and he has an amazing culture there, where they're able to bring in like undrafted guys, and they can succeed for the Mavericks. You know, I would like to see the Nuggets develop that kind of relationship with the front office and their head coach, and I totally hope agree. that it's Tim or I hope that it's um, Michael Malone. Um, and I, I, I wish him all the best of luck because I think that if he can succeed, then that'll help the team out a lot. 
Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, guys, we are gonna we are gonna wrap it up on there. I just realized we've almost gone for an hour and a half. Which hey, it was the it's the the season recap podcast. We got to figure it's gonna be it's a mega cast, right? That was oh, how boy. we. <laughs> yeah on that note <laughs> all right guys uh check us out at denverstiffs.com uh dan is at minuteman dan uh gordon is at g money nugs i am at zach mikosh on twitter uh at denver stiffs obviously um and we will see you guys next week bye bye thanks for listening to the pickaxe podcast be sure to subscribe on itunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com it's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.